0: Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Large, well-armed, and well-organized insurgency. So I guess it had gone past an insurgency into a organized militia group that had taken over Fallujah that was fighting the U.S. presence and trying to become hegemonic trying to become the power in that region of Iraq at that time and they
1: were Sunnis primarily oh, yeah, yeah. they yeah. were entirely Sunnis right? yes
0: yeah, yeah. and uh, so and again a lot of former uh, Saddam regime smart guys a lot of Baathists ba- trained trained intelligent war fighters yeah who say okay we're gonna do this cause the, a lot of them fought, fought in 80 to 88 yep yeah. And they said, well, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to get this, uh, we're going to get the religious guy here to kind of be our face man. But, you know, all he's just doing is riling up the uh, the masses, as it were. You know, I think the power behind it was some of those former regime guys, former Saddam regime guys who were really running the show. I don't know. It was one of the intelligence. We were just told to go out and support this ground unit or shoot that target. And that's what we did. Um, yeah, and it and it we went out and got into got into some pretty good fights, got into some pretty fights. Took a lot of a lot of bullets in the helicopter. Uh, you know, knock on wood, I never. It was a rat's nest. Oh, it was. It was a total furball, and um, came back, and then they pulled everybody out. You know, and and then we went back and had to do it all over again, which was crazy. On your next deployment. Yeah, on the next deployment over there. Mm-hmm.
1: And then, so not the way you describe it, not as. Uh, Hectic or active the second time. But there was some kinetic activity the second time. And then the third time, sounds like you didn't have any
0: kinetic activity. Nothing. And then you go to Afghanistan. And it's completely back to the beginning, but worse. We And the funny part about Afghanistan is that we fought in one specific area for eight months. It was across the Pakistan. So they were coming up the Helmand River Valley from the south. And this was just their main corridor for insurgents i mean we fought guys in afghanistan that were from all over like everybody that wanted to come and get their jihad on came, yeah. came to the Helmand river valley come get your Af- come make your bones here. yeah Go come ahead. make your bones that's exactly right and we kind of had a base there um in a little town called Garmshire in afghanistan and it became a very large for operating base after we left, we were, the Brits had a little small firebase there. Actually, uh, Prince Harry was there. Oh, like, okay. like when we, we first arrived, he was. Everybody he had, knew when he was there. Yeah, yeah. same base, little small artillery firebase, and you know, manned by you know scant amount of Brits. I mean, very super capable guys. I think two Scots was there when we were there. We shot for them quite a bit, um, but uh, yeah, the we took over that base kind of fixed it up a little bit but we were in a we were in a fight every day there and uh yeah every day every, every day every day like we would we would go back to kandahar where we were based and then we would fly helicopters out refer like basically made detachments that would go out and fight and and then come back and rest or coop and Study or do whatever kind of admin that you have to because all of it, all of that stuff has to happen anyway. You know, all that kind of in the rear with the gear stuff. And then we would go back out for a week and come back for a week and go back out for a week. But when you're out for a week, yeah, it was every day, almost every day, almost every day. Yep.
1: And was our mission at the time or your unit's mission there to? get land, grab land, kill no, bad guys. Yeah,
0: so we were attached to a, uh, we were a Mew, so we were attached to a battalion landing team, so a battalion of Marines. And they're, they're, uh, gosh, I mean, I don't really know, Paul, but I think it was to ensure that this town of Garmshire wasn't completely in uh, insurgent control and to basically be a bulwark against all of the insurgents moving up the Helmand River Valley, that's kind of like the first roadblock that they would hit, hitting all the way up to, you know, the rest of the So attrition of the enemy sounds like part of the mission. And and, and it was very interesting. We had uh, some uh, MISO operations, which I guess were called PSYOPs at the time, where the C-130s would come down and drop all these leaflets in whatever language, and they would would drop. And a day after they dropped all these leaflets, it basically said that Hey, we're coming. You're not going to be able to stop us. However, we're not your enemy. The enemy is this guy whatever. And all of the people from that town grabbed their tents, and they moved out to the desert area around the town. And they basically, our intelligence said, if anybody is still in that town, they're bad guys. And they were. They were exactly right. The bad guy's like, oh, this is ours now. This is our town. And... We're gonna we're gonna fight you to the death for it, and they did they did. Mm. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting.
1: Um, it was like that the whole time. The whole time. Once yeah. that had happened? Yeah,
0: yeah, and you know, and and our guys were out in, in in amongst the populace as they started to move back in, and then the insurgents would kind of have a little bit of a resurgent in this, you know, their thing and they would push the civilians back out and there would be a big fight for a couple of days. And then, okay, everything's calmed down and then the civilians would start to move back into the town and then they would be a big fight and they'd move back out. So, again, you know, part of our mission is to reduce civilian casualties and we're to keep that to a bare minimum if we can. So when that town's at peace, how many people live there, you think?
1: Oh, I'd say probably 5,000. And when the town's at war and the, the civilians are living there, the people the yeah, the ones that are just trying to uh-huh. live, them plus
0: the insurgents took it up to six, seven thousand. Seven thousand. Yeah, I'd say there's probably fifteen hundred insurgents in there at any one time. And they they, they would they would they were well supplied. They, they they these were not cavemen. Yeah. Although they were. They weren't. But they were. You know, they yeah, they people that have been fighting in Chechnya and other parts of the world in Angola or whatever in, um, well, not Angola, but the, uh, the the Horn of Africa area. And they've come from there and they've come from other uh, insurgencies that they've been part of and that, you know, Afghanistan just happened to be the latest and greatest. Let's go there. And that's where the infidels were. Yeah. yeah. Or the infidels that were willing to mix it up. Mix it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not the bearded wonder friends that come out of the dark and slaughter everybody, which, you know, that was going on there too. But, you know, like our special... Right those guys that just... You don't hear about that. You know? Right. Yeah. This is well-publicized stuff.
1: All right. Air Metal with V-Device, the first one. Uh-huh. Walk, walk me through
0: that. Uh, is it like a 30-minute window? Is it like a no, eight-hour eight window? Yeah, it's probably a couple-hour window. So this was in the daytime. The other one was at a nighttime. The, the, this one was at the daytime. And we are, we are flying Overwatch for me and a Cobra as a section... Uh, two aircraft are flying close air support um, for a, uh, a a ground unit, so a light armored vehicle unit and an, and an infantry platoon are just kind of clearing the area and moving through and doing their infantry things.
1: The vehicles right? are yeah. four, four vehicles, eight vehicles, something yeah, like
0: that. Yeah, a couple Humvees, I think four LAVs with the um, the 25-millimeter Bushmaster Cannon and a couple other things. And then, and then I think there was like a, a, a mortar variant for a Hummer and then a tow variant for a Hummer and then a 50 cal. So a couple of vehicles, but mostly it was dismounted guys kind of walking in. So they started taking fire from this village, which is part of the greater metroplex of the Garmshire region. They started taking fire from this area and they couldn't really point a bit. We had these little maps in our helicopters called GRGs, Gridded Reference Graphics, which were just basically an aerial photo or a satellite photo of the area, and all the buildings had numbers, but they had Alpha through Juliet and 1 through 10.
1: Alpha 2 in a square.
0: Yeah, in a square. So you could say, hey, in grid, Alpha, whatever, and you just find the grid and say building number, yep, that's your target. Oh, that's easy. Now, very easy uh, to to figure out what your target was going to be. And there was some confusion. Right? Where is the fire coming from? Is it coming from there? Well, we think it's coming we didn't realize it was coming from a lot of buildings. But it would come from here, and then it would come from over there, and then it would come from over there. But it wasn't all at one time. So we're like, guys, you got to point it out. And so I just, I, I kind of got a little fed up with the guys on the other side of the radio, on the ground, and like, look, I'm going to come down, and I'm going to drop a red smoke grenade on this building, and you tell me how many buildings to the left or to the right you're receiving fire from. So I come down in my— chief gets all excited because he gets to drop a smoke grenade out of the helicopter. And we come down to about 10 feet above this building. And as soon as that red smoke grenade hit the roof, all hell broke loose. Like, they did not like that. That stirred up the hornet's nest.
1: Why do you think they didn't like it?
0: Because we had marked them. And and, and, and you know, a helicopter hovering right up. Because you
1: were trying to mark them. You were just trying to have a reference point. Yes.
0: Hey, not them specifically. Just right. they, they, Now we've got a reference point for you to talk me off of. Well, the helicopter hovering right above their building, and then all of a sudden the tink, 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 brrr, and the red smoke, and well, they that was when they all came out of the buildings, and they started fighting, and it lasted for a long
1: time. And they were fighting what's in the air and what's on the ground.
0: Everything, everything, yep, yeah. and uh, yeah, no friendlies in the area, but it was a lot of guys in these, these couple of buildings. So we, we shot lots of different kinds of ordnance, rockets and missiles and machine guns and 20 millimeter cannon, and yeah, the ground guys are shooting. You're those.
1: directing everything
0: that's happening in the air, as everything, well as coordinating with yes, the ground. everything in the air. Plus, you know, doing a, a call for fire from a mortar uh, variant of a Hummer. He's like, yeah, it, great. I let's, let's work up the fire. So I give I give the controls to a young lieutenant that I'm teaching basically in the helicopter. I say, listen, fly here. I've got to go heads down and read them this fire mission. So I, you know, this. Yeah, more fire missions so that they can get on target, and they they did. And then you call for a repeat because it puts more on there. And you're, you're saying it fairly casually. That that's a lot of chaos going on. Super chaos. Yeah, it, it, but it, it, you got really used to it, and it was very. I've got some flare footage of me on the radios talking. We're we're doing an engagement, and um, a artillery illumination round. <laughs> Detonated really, really close to my not detonated, but illuminated really close to my helicopter, and I got pissed because I was like, "No one told me on the 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 FDC net that they were shooting." Because yeah, you're limits. the you're the guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm out there flying around on there, you know. So and I, and I got I got a little heated uh, with some of the fires guys back there, the battalion. But we're still actually good friends, so that's fine. Uh, but you know, it, it is it, chaos is a great word for it, but um, another, I'm sorry to go back, but when, when we talk about like my experience at VMI and then boot camp and then officer candidate school and whatever, one of the things through my experience is that I do much better in high stress, high threat, chaotic environments. I seem to excel there. If you leave me to my own devices on a golf course with an open bar and— You're going to squander. I'm going I'm to flail. I'm absolutely going f- just, yeah. just to just—yeah. Be-
1: you just need high stress in your life. Yes, I do
0: all the time. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yes, and it, my current job is so low stress, um, which might be a problem. Uh, golf is stressing me out, though. Um, not being able to shoot good scores. Sorry, getting off course. But the uh, yeah, I, it it seemed easy for me to do. It was it 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 just seemed to flow. It just seemed to flow. Training, right? We're highly trained, sure. And it, that training worked. It worked. It just it just I was able to go from one step one step two. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's the most important thing that I need to to Put my focus on right now stack rack them and stack them by a hierarchy of threat need whatever it is and I'm, I'm able to do that very quickly um and that worked out great uh the second one we were flying overwatch for a dismounted patrol to so infantry guys on the ground by themselves you know maybe 40 of them moving through a an area a platoon and um we have a forward-looking infrared camera on our helicopters and my co-pilot kept seeing something weird and he was like what is that what is that what is that is this the same lieutenant no no a different guy okay. um and he said hey sir I don't I don't know what I'm looking at. Alright well you take the controls you fly me to the helicopter whereas and you give me the controls for the Fleer and and it's basically like an Xbox controller and I'll look down and I'll see what we can see. And sure enough he he found a a very well set up L-shaped ambush to where this infantry unit was moving right in. These guys knew what they were doing. They, they had set up a beautiful ambush entrenched. Basically a kill side. So. Yeah, in, in, in deflate, in, in behind, you know, cover and concealment. Um, and there was about, there was about 20 of them uh, against a, you know, 40-man Marine Corps platoon, which you wouldn't think that that's a fair fight, but if you're the one springing the ambush, it's yeah, what I learned is you've,
1: you. If you're in, uh, if you're attacking in that way, uh-huh. you have to have. Um, yeah, the the numbers were were still in the Marines' favor, but
0: not. Yeah, not by not um, by not by much at that point. So when we told them to stop, they stopped. They went firm, went to the ground. You know, basically just kind of uh, found as much cover and as they can. And then we had to call back to the um, the talk the tactical operations center of the, of the battalion and say, hey, we'd like to shoot this. And you, you can't shoot without permission unless a few things happen. Right, self-defense, you right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, so and they were like, great. Uh, can you get us the flee? Well, the, the, the footage, the Cobra had a device that was able to send the image back to, the, and they saw it, and they were like, oh, my God, Yes. Shoot them.
1: Heat, heat signature coming yeah, from oh the bodies, yeah,
0: yeah, the bodies and, the, the, and you could see them with their weapons, and, and you know they had RPGs and, and light machine guns, and they're like, yes, yeah, great. But it was through the trees, so it was kind of intermittent. You had to fly the helicopter at a certain angle to really get good pictures. And see. they knew you were there. The bad guys. Oh, knew they could were hear there. us. Yeah, they could hear us. Um, so they were they were just down, and and we got permission for a Type Three control, which is basically they give us a time. They said you are cleared to engage from this time to this time. Well, that's awesome, because I can do whatever the hell I want at this point. Why time-bound it, though, if you're higher? Well, uh, I don't, in case there's something else that's going to follow that attack, I would assume. Okay. Yeah, because there's type one, type two, type three, and then we can go into that at a later time. Uh, You know, it's it's based on uh, what you can see, but this is like, hey, we can see, but we can see through um, digital methods what you're shooting at so it's approved so you know these guys up in in the uh, operation center can say yeah yeah that's bad you guys can shoot that and it did and it and and after after the engagement was over that one wasn't a very long one like the first one was the the grunts went through and they they literally came up to us that evening when they got back to the patrol and like shook our hands to a man and said that was our ass. Oh yeah, you, we you, you you saved yeah, who yeah, knows how many yeah, lives. Yeah, that would have that would have absolutely been devastating if you guys didn't find that. So, that, that's what we're supposed to do. Which is like you get medals for it. Yeah, well, okay, great. But it's, that was my job, right? That's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, but
1: it's it's uh, pretty uncommon stuff. Right? <laughs> Maybe uh, it's, it's you are one of those rare breeds, in my estimation. And I've been around a lot of military people that. To see you coming, you're like, uh, that, I'm sure he's going to be fine, but he's not going to be the, the rock star. He's not going to be whoever. And it's kind of the vibe that I put off, too, I think. <laughs> uh, but when the chips are down and shit is flying, you end up rising to the top. I, so I, first episode we ever did on this, I talked to, uh, I think he's been to combat three or four different times, Ranger Regiment guy, yeah. love and death. He was one of my platoon sergeants. Great guy. He said, "The first time he got in combat, the guys that were the strongest—they look like GI Joe." He said, "Those guys kind of fade in the background, and they—they don't—not not all of them, but some of them don't perform." You're right. And the and the kids who you thought were kind of the slackers or maybe weren't—they weren't paying attention—they shine in those situations. That's
0: exactly what. And people are astounded. Uh, they're like, "Buck, you joined the military," and it blows their minds. And then they go. You joined the Marine Corps. Mine second. The second explosion goes off, and they were like, "And you stayed there for twenty five years." Third explosion goes, off and, and, and and it's right because people thought that I was a barely solvent human being from co- high school all the way through most of my college. I mean, and, and I, Paul, I was, I was a piece of work. You know, like I, I really don't know how that. Happened, but you weren't screaming Marine, infantry, oh my combat veteran. God, no, yeah. no, man. I wanted to be a hippie skier in Vail, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it, it, it literally that's what I wanted to do, and my dad told me absolutely not. But the uh, uh yeah, it, it, it happens that way. Sort of the people that aren't the ones that you would expect in some of those situations really do rise to the top. Now, you've got, yeah, like you said. There's exceptions to rules. They're, they're, you know, guys that were super studs all the way through and just super leaders. Didn't, they, didn't matter what environment. It didn't matter. They were going to be that way anyway. And maybe it's because I wasn't that it's surprising that it happened. So, okay, okay. so it's a more of a, a surprise. I don't know. I mean, I... I it, okay. hey, hey,
1: Buck, the guys we graduated high school with... Huh. If you had told them when we were all 17, 18 year, year yeah, old. Yeah, that I was going to do yeah. that.
0: Yeah, and no, that yeah. blown mm-hmm. No, I
1: would no, have... No, 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 let me take it a step further. But <laughs> there are 70 of us in that class, right? Se- 74. 74, right? Right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, you, hey, pick the one that you would think would be number one to, to have that background 25 years from now, and then number one through 74. Yeah. You're not in the first 50%. Oh, no.
0: No, no. I Yeah. I I would have thought that you know I'm like remember remember uh, Mr. Blanton had that weight room and he had all the the records on the wall yeah. and our class had a bunch of them. Faze had a lot for oh fa- face triceps yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. got <laughs> two dips for days um, you know Adrian Duke had the vertical jump record and uh, Ben Ackerley had the 400 record for ever and it just we had some studs man. yeah you just. Machines in our class, uh, guys that were wrestlers that were unbelievable, yeah. Um, and it's like, oh god, I, I mean, I was skinny, tall, unathletic. I mean, I ran track and I did okay, but oh man, yeah. <laughs> you figure somebody like Ackerley, oh god, yeah. yeah. Well, and he did, and he did. Well, he started to like he went to Princeton and got hurt doing a jump in airport school. Was it airport school or ranger school? One of those two, one of those two, god, yeah. like. Proper hurt, you know. It so completely rinsed So, his so neck, yeah. he, he probably was heading towards that military career, you know. And uh, yeah, things happen. Yeah, it is right. It, yeah, things happen. But yeah, he he's the kind of you know uber just just uh, our, our, our after our junior year, uh,
1: Ben and I both played football. Mm-hmm. Ben couldn't stop doing sit-ups I'm Like, dude you understand to get stronger you have to rest from time to time but he, right. he couldn't stop doing sit-ups yeah he was doing hundreds of day. Mm-hmm. i'm like yeah. come on man no he, he was very very uh dedicated yeah to
0: compulsive, what he was doing. as we were yeah compulsive yeah and uh, i i have i have zero co- now i have realized some compulsive nature stuff that i have Some OCD like this has to be this way. This has to be like this. This Has to be like this. But that all developed much later at the after the Marine Corps time because the Marine Corps is OCD. It screams OCD. It screams it. Screams it. it, Right. Everything they do. And uh, and and, yeah, I took on some of that. I think. And now I'm really. I mean, there's some things that have to be certain ways. (laughs) And it's a problem, man. It really is. My cars have to become, like, I cannot have a dirty vehicle. Hmm. I, I can't do it. But like, you weren't like that when you were a teenager. Oh, oh my God. No, my car was a dumping ground. If it, if it got an oil change once every decade, miracle. You know? And now I'm just, like, what the, oh, that still bothers me so bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm really, really, yeah. yeah. No, I'm I barely a solvent human being much less student or athlete or son or brother. Yeah, I mean, really a, a piece of work. So
1: you you you, I, you said brother. We'll go back to your yeah. brother. He enlisted the same time
0: you did. He did, did. yeah. How, how long was he in? Four years. He did his first enlistment, got it, okay, grew up, and he went back to VCU and graduated one of the cum laude's that's way up there and uh, in business and uh, in marketing and, and has set the world on fire. Yeah. So he's doing great. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he lives up near Chicago. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I only
1: knew your brother when we were in school. Uh-huh.
0: He, well, he... I'm trying to think. Where were we? I'm trying to think of what year he got to. He was classmates with a lot of our classmates' little brothers. Rice Hall, Rutherford Peterson, mm-hmm. um, uh, Wallace's little brother. Uh, so we had a bunch of brothers that were in their class. They're together. like three years behind. Though,
1: yeah. so maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You mentioned HMX-1 yeah. earlier, and that's... Uh, it's the Marine One Squadron. It's the squadron that flies the
0: president around. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I, I'd forgotten that for a second. When you said HMX, I'm like, oh, was that when you went <laughs> oh, to Afghanistan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sorry, that's the actual name, or the actual nomenclature for the squadron Marine One. The Presidential Helicopter Squadron. All right. Now, obviously, we don't want to give away any tactics, techniques,
1: or procedures sure. here. Um but I, I guess high-level reflections about your time doing that. Was it a solid three years, four, four years? Four years. Yeah, it was a four-year tour.
0: Um, is it always four years?
1: Like it you, is. You serve for a term of a president. Mm-hmm. That's yep. effectively what yep. you
0: do. Yep, so I served for President Obama's first term. Okay. So I checked into the squadron just before the inauguration Okay. and checked out right about the inauguration. So it was it was four years. And you had been there and seen a lot of stuff before you got to HMX-1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the guys that were in the squadron, the older majors and lieutenant colonels who had been at that squadron for four years, they had missed a lot of the fighting. yeah, right So when we when us young guys showed up and you have to have a certain number of hours to even apply to their, we got we got all those hours in combat, you know, just flying six, to eight, ten hours a day. Nonstop and we just built up a lot of hours. So we were able to apply to the squadron as captains when most people applied to that squadron as majors or lieutenant colonels. So just because we of the flight time? Yeah, just because of flight time and experience and qualifications. And we you know, we went all the way through, uh, all the way up to the Marine Corps' version of helicopter top gun school. Mm-hmm. And had all those things. And then uh, applied. Uh, I applied to be a instructor at Marine Corps version of top gun which is called MOTS1 Marine Aviation Weapons Tactics Squadron and, and 1. And you vo- you wanted to do this. Okay. Did you vo- you volunteer for you applied? Yeah, no, you have to yeah, you have to apply. You know, the 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 message comes out and says, "Okay, applications will be accepted for positions here, 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 you know, all the different things." Oh, I want to I want to do that. I want to do that. And uh, I applied to be a top gun instructor. "Quote unquote," Top Gun instructor, the Marine Corps version for helicopters, and I applied to HMX one, and HMX one called me first. Hmm. And uh, m- one of my buddies, who was an instructor out at the tactics school, uh, the weapons school, he he got really upset it, it, because the Marines are warfighters, right? And this is executive transport. You yeah, know, this is this is staying in four star hotels and traveling the world. You're wearing, traveling with the most powerful guy, yeah, on and, Earth. and wearing suits is it any less important job? No. But it's not war fighting. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, so it, it it's it's it it gets a bad rap sometimes from some individuals. It was busy. It's not something you think you would think it would be no. true. It's, it, it's 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 a busy busy stressful time consuming job and you have to be on point. This is a no fail job. Right? It's is a binary there, problem. Is there, either protect him or you either protecting where you do. not You don't. Yeah. You, you either deliver the president safely or you do not. And when you do not, I mean, come on, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's no fail. Um, and my wife liked to point out to me that I was gone an average of 220 to 230 days a year. For those four years. For those four years. Yeah.
1: You got to go to some amazing places, though, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I landed a helicopter on Buckingham Palace, waved at Her Majesty. <laughs> I went to Singapore and Korea and Germany and Australia and... Uh, South America, uh, Central America, I went to El Salvador, I, I went to, gosh, I was, so the president's money was in Chicago, L.A., um, uh, Seattle, and, and uh, New York City, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Years, right, so we were there all the time, all the time, in those three cities, four cities. Yeah, so we got to go there a lot. Um I mean, all over the world, all over the world. I think the only the only place that I have not touched with my finger, and I'm going to do it. It's bucketless is Antarctica. Mm. And I don't need. I need to set foot on Antarctica. You know, kind of, you're gonna you know, fly there. Or you're gonna take a ship. I think I'm gonna fly in and fly. I don't want to stay there. I mean, it's just a big ice sheet, right? So do, it's do, like,
1: do you have to spend the night to say that you've? Yeah, been there? I
0: think so. So you have to go yeah. to McMurdo Station or whatever it is down there and spend the night and have a scotch with some of those guys and the scientists and then come home okay I, I think you can do it i think it's a thing that yeah, you can sure. pay for but uh, yeah. sounds pretty expensive <laughs> yeah, It does, but i think i need to do it yeah um no yeah hmx was a great time it was very busy um very intense operational tempo uh you know, you're, you're just working yeah. working constantly and a lot of people think that and again without giving away any of the secret uh ttps a lot of people think that it's, it's the show. It's, it's moving the president from Air Force One uh, from A- at Andrews Air Force Base to the South Lawn and putting the stairs down and having him come out and wave to the crowd and stuff like that. That is literally tertiary to the primary mission of HMX-1, which is the survival of the executive branch of government in times of global crisis, such as global thermonuclear war. We need to get to the president somewhere that he can survive a catastrophe of that magnitude, yeah. and and that's literally the primary mission of the squadron. And again, I said I can't talk about it, but that is it. Yeah. We, we fly him or her to places um, to expedite their their or or facilitate their what they do for the job. But that is literally tertiary to. That's some, that's the, the mo- mundane day to day.
1: Yeah. Day to day. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah the, the, Tertiary is transportation.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Executive transport in a very nice helicopter.
1: Really nice? Yeah. nicest oh, yeah. helicopter you've ever flown? No,
0: absolutely not. No, it's actually very basic. Uh, it has things You're on saying it. that as an aviator. I'm, ta- I'm asking as a guy who's going to ride in the back of it. Oh, uh, as I'm, a, I'm asking both questions, Yes. Actually. As an aviator, the finest, helico- the finest helicopters on the planet. As an executive, let's say you're Donald Trump and you get in the back of... Uh, His what is now his new helicopter. He's going to be like, what the heck is this? This is basic. I mean, cloth seats. Really? Basic wood paneling. There's no gilt gold or marble or anything. No, no, no. It is very clean and and, and, uh, actually... Very military. Well, actually, Nancy Reagan helped design it with some Italian designer. God, I can't remember which name. But like one of her friends she did the interiors of the, the helicopter hmm. and they're still that way since but they're modern they're clean they're very well done they're just not what you would think of as like like a modern i'm, I'm like expecting billionaires business jet or helicopter yeah i'm expecting leather and a little bit oh, of gold. Yeah, yeah. yeah not even close not even close. Huh. Very plain. And you can go online and look at pictures of them. Just yeah. you type in Marine One interior and they'll show it to you. And they've got a new helicopter now. This just come out. It's really nice. And it but it's it's not gonna be super fancy. It's not gonna be over the top. It's gonna be um yeah, extremely capable. Yeah. Like like I said, as a pilot with all the pilot stuff, a lot of it being secret, uh, that's really cool. And the helicopters are immaculate maintain. I mean, the best maintained helicopter. So here's an example. Sikorsky makes a helicopter and they say this part will last for X amount of time. The Navy takes that part and they knock off 10 or 20% and said, no, we're going to replace this part at 80% of its lifespan. The Marine One Squadron takes that 80 percent and goes no we're going to replace that part at 50 percent of that lifespan so everything that helicopter is brand new all the time all the time all the time so you're like especially the old helicopter the h3 it's like driving a an immaculately maintained and restored beautiful old cadillac Mm. right it's kind of a land boat you know it's big and ponderous but it's it flies perfectly and it's, it's beautifully well maintained. And then you get in the sports car, the sixty that they have there, and you get to freaking turn and burn and do a bunch of cool stuff. And all of them have all the communications and safety stuff for the president on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. won't ask you any more detailed questions yeah, right. about the, the, yeah. the helicopter itself or what yeah. you guys do with it. But but it was it was a good tour. I it was fantastic. It was really good. Like I said, I had enough of war fighting. I've been in five combat tours, so it's time to take a break. Yep.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and the fifth one being Somalia. Well, oh no, Afghanistan was my last one before HMX. Three Iraq, one Afghanistan. Yep. And, and then the I other? went to I went to, uh, um, oh Somalia when I was enlisted. Yeah. yeah, De- yeah. Even though we didn't shoot anybody, we we're still in a combat. You're team. definitely in combat. Yeah. Team. And yeah. then after after HMX one, I did one more deployment to Okinawa as the detachment commander for the skid aircraft, the Covers and the Hueys. Okay. Which is great One of my favorite places on this planet is Okinawa. Is Okinawa, Japan. Absolutely. If, if anybody has the opportunity to go there, it's amazing. It is, is it more
1: about Japan or is it more about
0: Okinawa? It is 50-50, man. Mm. It is it, because there's so much American presence there and has been since World War II. But, that being said, huge American presence. However there are still a lot of traditional Okinawan stuff. Old school Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Mm. it was kind of interesting is that I got a history lesson from that gentleman, Colonel Dabney, that I was talking to you about later. My wife and I actually went to his house when we were dating. When I was Mm. going to my first deployment to Okinawa, he sat us down for two and a half hours and talked about Okinawan culture and history and how... Okinawans do not consider them Japanese, and Japanese do not consider Okinawans Japanese. And and the the, the difference between them and the, and the the background and the history and blah 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 blah, blah. and the Ryukin Islands and the, all of it. It was fascinating. And when you go there and you really see it, oh, he was exactly right. He knew exactly what he was talking about. And uh, but the beauty of the place is just unbelievable. It's everything you've and the water. Seen there, or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. hmm my favorite place, so you have a favorite place, and then you have a favorite place on that favorite place. My favorite place, place on that place is the back porch of the Air Station Officer Club. They have this beautiful back porch, so you can get your cocktail and walk out back with a cigar and look out over the Pacific Ocean where the sun's... Oh, my god, Ridiculous. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. awesome. Favorite man. place on the planet besides my house.
1: Yeah. All right. Without getting political, yeah. uh, what was uh, President Obama like when you first started?
0: A super, super nice guy. Like, always shakes our hands, always came up in the cockpit, met both pilots. Hey, great, let's have a good flight. gentlemen. wonderful. Uh, yeah, and spoke every time. Uh, I met him not only in the cockpit before I lifted him here, there, and everywhere, um, but up at Camp David. Um, he would, he would, unlike other presidents, that when the Secret Service comes and kicks you out of an area, like the, the president's coming to the gym to get a workout or the family's coming to the pool, they would kick you out and so that the first family could have that as their time. Family time. Yeah. yeah, and which is totally understandable. That's his place to escape and relax. But President Obama didn't want to do that. He was like, hey, listen, if they're there, leave them there. I would like to meet them. You know, if they're in the gym or on the basketball court in the pool or at Shangri-La, which is the little clubhouse that you can get a Frito-Pie and play video games, and 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 it's a pretty neat place. So he would come in, and the Secret Service won't get you so all of a sudden now the President of the United States is right there, and he would talk to you. He's a ask. community
1: guy, and he, he, he's, he's,
0: he wants to bring people together. He did, impression. and he would ask questions. Hey, Major Sessoms, I uh, hear that you're uh, going to whatever next. Yes, sir. How did you find him? Because you were just talking to that guy, and he said, Hey, I met him before. Said, yeah, one of those guys. And and I never met him, but apparently uh, Bush 43 was the same way. He had this weird eidetic memory that when he met you, you can meet him three years later, and without a minder whispering in your ear who you were, he would remember everything you told him about your meeting yeah. Yeah. Super so, rare. Yeah. Super rare. But that's, I think that's how these guys get in these positions is that they have that ability to remember, focus. It's endearing, right? Yeah. It is. It is. And I think that's why people are, yeah, are drawn to them and why they're charismatic.
1: Well, so uh, mar- Marines or mm-hmm. U.S. military people that have served tend to be. Conservative politically, mm-hmm. Obama was a community leader, very much mm-hmm. a tried and true uh, Democrat. Did he? Was he a
0: little bit leery of? of- so, yeah, he seemed a little stiff at the beginning, right? When because he hadn't been around a lot. He of hadn't been around before. the military, and he now he's surrounded by it constantly, in every way, shape, or form. Constantly, he's got his aide with him all day long, carrying the little yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the briefcase and uh just i think you know they hold the doors for him they're driving his limousines they're doing the secret service is a big part of that too but the the army runs all of that right the the transportation department of the white house military ops. uh the air force is flying him from here to there the navy runs camp david they're just he's inundated with it and i think it was kind of Geez, it's a, a lot. lot, yeah. And, a lot of and, new. and as someone who's you know, I guess very social, uh, socially liberal or li- a liberal, uh, uh um, politician, you're like, well, oh, how, how these people are gonna think about me? We don't think about you, we think about the job, yeah, we think about the title, we think about we serve the office, not the person in the office, but then you get endeared to the person in the office once you meet them, yeah. And... Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's kind of how that rolled. And so by the end of your time mm-hmm. doing the gig, yeah, got to go and when you when you exit, you go and you you put on your former uniform and you get fifteen minutes in the Oval Office to shoot the shit. Just by. you and him? Oh yeah. Oh, and my wife. Yeah, and yeah. Who was more talkative, you or your wife? The president. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, so it's he, him talking. He yeah, He was. He was like, "What's next for you? Where are you going? You know." What's, what's going to happen here? Yeah, he did. He, and, and he doesn't have to do that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, actually, it takes the time. You could go in there, take the picture, out. You literally could be in there for 10 seconds. You but, understood why he got elected. Oh, well, yeah, sure. To some degree. I mean, he, if you were un- unsure, huh, you're going to vote for a charismatic guy like Yes, you. yes, you are. Yeah. A guy that can speak and look you in the eye. And talk. His handshake was a little, little weak. No. I, I, what, I mean, but if you're shaking hands with 50, 100 people a day, you don't want to be given that crusher handshake. Yeah, you, so when you're I You're going to have nerve problems, yeah, probably. You, yeah, you th- I, but when you shake his hands, you're like, ah, I was expecting a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was his only one for the day. That's sure, fine. Yeah, that yeah. yeah, yeah. he's to. doing fine. He's <laughs> doing just fine if that's his only flaw. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, and uh, so you go in there and, and and you talk for a minute, talking, Jackie, what are you doing, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, then you take the picture. That was it. Then. You go on to the next part of your life, which was uh, Command and Staff College, which is great because we get to stay in in Quantico for another year. And it's all Marines. Yeah. Oh, at Marine One?
1: No, 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 at Marine One, it sounds like it was. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking about Command and Staff College.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. That's everybody. Yeah, it's joint. It's joint school. So, yeah, everybody. Everybody. And foreign students. I was the the Georgian officer's uh, sponsor. So hmm. I had to go to Reagan National and pick him up when he flew in. From you know, I had my little sign, you know, <laughs> Major Grigoli Kandelidze, and uh, you know, the little Georgian flag, and I'm standing there in my uniform. And he comes, did he speak English? <laughs> yeah, yeah, did, yeah, everybody speaks English, man. We're we are such a bad nation about other languages, but yeah. we're awful, <laughs> oh, horrible, horrible. Yeah, but yeah, he spoke just fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, the Georgians were uh, where I was when I was in Iraq, and uh, they were an interesting bunch.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, they are, and in, in Afghanistan, he—I uh, would—I would—he uh, uh, would not go with him a lot, but the, he would go to uh, um, Walter Reed and uh, Bethesda to see all of the wounded Georgian soldiers that were coming back from Afghanistan. They're getting, getting treatment in the United States. Yeah. Those guys were in it to win it, man. they were—they yeah. were, they were whooping it on. They were tough. Yep, absolutely, absolutely.
1: All right, so you're now my age. You're 50? 50, 53. 53. Yeah. We're uh-huh. both 53. This is an unfair question, uh-huh. but um, if you could talk to the 16-year-old version of yourself, oh, what, what would you tell that 16-year-old?
0: Um, I, I would tell him, I would literally line out the path that I have done that has gotten me to where I am now. And I'd be like, this, this is probably your only path that you're going to succeed, and I don't know if that's true. I, it's, or not, not. it's not true. It's not. But I, I think that right. I'm thinking it's like okay. You're thinking you're. I fortunate? really cannot. Yes, the, the 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 stars line the luck, the timing, the 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 guidance, whatever it was, that brought me into a very specific. I mean, a really weird and unique series of events that brought me into doing what I did for how how long I did it. And as successful, without being braggadocious, the, as successful I was doing that. And I'm like, I can't think of any other path. Like, yeah, sure. Would you tell him to be a Marine? Yeah. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. I would tell him to be a Coast Guard pilot. <laughs> okay. Why Coast Guard pilot? Uh, I th- because I, I, I think that they are probably the finest aviators in in, in our, our uh, helicopter pilots. You know you talk about jets and who's got the best jet pilots and you go watch top gun and decide for yourself helicopter the coast guard helicopter pilots are flying every day in real world missions in horrendous conditions horrible condition- conditions conditions in horrible places like alaska oh yeah alaska absolutely off of you know uh, uh montauk up in new york or maine or whatever going out in frigid conditions wearing full dry suits while they're flying a helicopter and flying into whatever weather is presented to them at that time. World-class equipment, world-class training, but come on, man. That is that is some serious, serious stuff, and they, they do it every day and save lives. Whereas Marine Corps, I can spend 25 years, I can go to combat for four of those, right, and then train for the rest of it. Very intense, very intense period of time, but those guys are doing that every day for twenty plus years. Do
1: you you think it's uh, this is this is the PTSD question? Do
0: you Mm -hmm. think you've been affected in any way? I don't think so, Paul. Honestly, and I in I know it's real, and I know what the science says, but and and stuff. Some of the stuff that I've seen and some of the stuff that I've experienced, and I'm like, why am I not a bag of goo? and why don't I I not break down. Yeah, sometimes I get a little thoughtful and a little emotional thinking back on some of the stuff that was really really bad. That's normal, though. but, um, but I, I just I don't know. No. I, I don't believe I've had it and I've had two psychological interviews based on the needs of where I was going in my career and 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 then one exit interview, right? they they, they test us a lot you know for different things good. yeah which is very good and then my exit interview and the guy was like get out my office you're fine yeah i mean literally two and a half hours of talking to to a psychiatrist not a, a psychologist you know, whatever yeah and uh you know straight my brain we call him the wizard in the military He's like you got to go see the wizard for a little while and then hey the wizard freaking strength your brain does whatever he does and yeah three times over the last 25 years after after or before specific events required it and no, yeah, all of them were like yeah, are you are you lucky? Yes, very. Uh, because I've, I've I've got friends who aren't right. so lucky, right. um, and some of the stuff that they experienced was less. Some of it was more, but the end result, based on what is happening to them now, is it's the same. Yeah, whether it be alcoholism, uh, depression, whatever you see it, you see a lot of it, and uh, I think I lucked out. I really did or it's goes back to well you thrived in that environment so what was it what was the what was the thing in your the cog in your brain that allowed you to not only deal with it and digest it but come out better because of it i don't know yeah i really don't know it's impossible to diagnose i imagine Mm
1: -hmm. even that psychiatrist couldn't yeah, all he cared about was. Do we, are are it, you healthy? Yeah, yeah. Get out. Do home. I need to help you beyond <laughs> this conversation?
0: Yeah. yeah, and it really personal stuff. I mean, the questions were deep. deep, man. I mean, you know, tears come to your eyes at some of them. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm glad. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy for you. Yeah, thank you. I, I th- my, my belief is, it's it's roughly 50, 50. It's it's weird how. Some are not impacted, and others yeah. are in ways that you couldn't, you can't see coming. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Uh, weird question time. Yeah. You've I've, you've listened to an entire I episode. Have. Yes, I so have. So you've heard this question
0: that's a little little strange. I do, and I actually comes read out of my notes. Oh, you me. you you have an answer. I pre- I you have a prepared answer. I have a prepared answer, and it's kind of two part because I wanted to ask you about that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, what's your question about that? Deceased or alive? Can be either. Okay, I have an answer for both.
1: Yeah. So it's a male, a female, musical group, yep. musical act. Uh, and if you if you're a stand-up guy, great, you can give us a, a funny person. Uh huh. But it's your talk show. Yeah. It can be thought-provoking. It can be fun. It can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. But it's your only only time you get to do this talk show. Okay. Um, you you can go for ratings. You can like, hey, I'm actually doing this one for
0: my wife. It could be right. whatever you want it to yeah. be. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it could be somebody you know deeply. Well,
0: I, I, I thought about that because I, I was listening to a lot of the, your guests' answers, and I'm like, a lot of them are very kind of TED talky. And it's like, <laughs> okay, how cerebral can I get with it? No, this is a freaking talk show. Yeah. It needs to be entertaining. So my guest cannot be so you're an th- economist you're th- that's talking about Ghanaian dollars in the wake of. But no, no. Uh-uh. It has to be entertaining, fun, thought provoking. So I said, "Yeah, I did. I thought about this. Okay, I did. You're I you're am. fully prepared. I am. All I right. Am. Well, let's go. Who, okay. who are your guests? All right, deceased. Okay, female, Hedy Lamarr, the mm. the golden era movie star. Um, not only was she the most beautiful woman on the planet at the time, but she was an inventor and mm. she invented. Uh, Frequency agile, you know, singars and have quick and the stuff we used in the military yeah. for 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 anti jam, but also encryption of our rate. She invented that stuff, man. <laughs> right? Like, where's l- that come from? No, I, right. Look at her. Not only was she a brilliant actress, but invented that that <laughs> yeah, which we still use today. Yeah, they're, they're 180 for me. Yeah, other. and and then like Bluetooth, I think is all part of that, and Wi-Fi. It, it all uses it. So fascinating. Fascinating. I want to sit down with her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right? Uh, the guy, Arnold Palmer. Mm. The golfer. I want to sit down with Arnold Palmer. I went. I was uh, blessed to be able to go to Arnold Palmer's uh, Bay Hill Invitational this year and see Scotty Scheffler win. And seeing his legacy and what he did. Oh, and and by, oh, by the way, he is in the Aviation Hall of Fame. Mm. He was a huge pilot. Had like 15,000 hours. Owned jets. Owned helicopters. Brilliant aviation guy, brilliant pilot, and I had no idea. Oh yeah, I didn't either. And golfer. Now that I'm, you know, into all this golf thing, golf, golf, golf. That's all I can think about. Yeah, I want to sit down with him, and his his uh, his legacy, what he's built in his foundation. He and Winnie, his wife, have built this beautiful legacy uh, for for giving and philanthropy that is just unheard of. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and he's the kind of guy you want to hang out with too. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's that. Oh, I've heard that in spades. It's like yeah, that's the guy you could have a beer with and talk to and play golf with. And just the pictures of him with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth, standing there with the cardigan, you know, and just like yeah, I want to, I want to <laughs> play golf with him. Man, look at that. G- give, dude. give me four hours and yeah. one round of golf. With and, that what if, what if Hedy Lamarr is sitting next to him? What are they going to talk about? Oh, my God. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, so... Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All right. So that's, that's the deceased. Uh, alive, female, Reese Witherspoon.
1: I did not see that coming.
0: Yep. So... oscar William. Oscar-winning, brilliant actress. Actor. Um, and director and producer. And director and producer, right? And yeah. director and producer started her own business called, what is it, Hello Sunshine or whatever. I think she just sold it for $900 million. Come on, man. Really? Yeah, and she's a... Uh, Total Smoke Show? Yes, I was thinking that too. She's attractive, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but she's also,
1: like, she came from a pretty humble yeah, place in Tennessee, right? Yeah. Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. Southern girl and uh, just brilliant. Brilliant. Mm. Come on, man. You know, how do you do all of that? And she's what a couple years younger than us yeah so it's like yeah i want to sit down here i want to hear what she has to say i want to i want to pick her brain and and uh the guy still alive jordan peele for, for some of the same reasons right you know half oh peele he's unbelievable, hysterical so that's part of the the comedy thing but now he's producing all these movies and writing all these movies and got his own production company oh, he's, and a, he's awesome they're brilliant yeah, brilliant he's i awesome. mean some of the stuff that he wrote when they were doing camp just puts me on the floor and oh, i can watch the it the substitute over teacher thing and over and over again or the east west bowl the uh, all-stars <laughs> come on i mean yeah brilliant brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. And, and his movies like uh uh get out and now the new one out nope he, nope yeah perfect name for a scary movie Nope. (laughs) How how do you name a movie better than that? It's beautiful. beautiful. So, uh, yeah. um, Gosh, the band. Oh, entertainment. All right, I have two. I've got to say two, and I'll I'll let let you help me choose. The first one that I decided until I was driving up today and heard another song, which which spurned the second one, the first one is The Go-Go's
1: oh yeah they're fantastic fantastic
0: right yeah. just got elected uh to the rock and roll hall of fame only all-female band to write all new music and play all their own instruments their, uh, oh, they're uh they're all forces their, their document ter- the documentary that's on uh netflix now mm. i don't know fantastic you should watch it it's okay really, really cool very eye-opening from their uh they really kind of la punk scene beginnings back in the God, right it's crazy yeah i there, still but... have a crush on all of them all five of them i yeah. can forget about it and uh uh yeah i, li- I was listening to them, i was jamming out to him on the way up here and it's very i get it it's it's poppy but you can hear that punk background you can hear the kind of edge to it yeah. and uh I'm like wait a minute they're, they're really they, they really wrote all this they really they're playing all these instruments in there it's
1: pretty damn good they're good yeah, yeah.
0: um the other band is earth wind and fire come on <laughs> you'd be amazed how many people have said earth, wind, really and fire. Yeah. no kidding yeah I, I i had a poster of them like the big band within their multicolored oh, jumpsuits yeah. and their their capes and they were entertainers oh my god yeah it, yeah it, it's i don't know i mean i'm sure they changed a lot of members but some of their their, their, their permanent members and if you don't have a horn section Forget about it, I listen to you. <laughs> so those are the bands. Yeah,
1: yeah. I you, you should have both of them. On. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're, you don't have to choose. Compare and contrast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're different. Yeah, they're very different from each other.
1: Yeah, that's quite the show. Yeah, you I think I
0: think it would be a good good. Yeah. So sorry, I picked four. You know, the dead and alive live part. But you yeah. could no. You're good.
1: You you could, you could talk to each person mm-hmm. for days.
0: Yes. And I want to. I would love to. Yeah, you I can set be.
1: the world record for longest talk show, <laughs> one episode.
0: <laughs> How long have we been
1: talking? Uh, we're right at two hours. Oh I'm, God! No, I'm sorry. no, you're not. Don't yeah. don't apologize. This is all great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to split you up in two. Actually, it's okay, gonna be two different recordings. Okay, or two really? episodes. Yeah, it's the third time we've done that. Oh, really? Yeah. Sorry, I, I need no. Sorry. Please do not say you're sorry because you've had, you've lived an amazing life, man. Uh, it's really you. cool. Thank you. All right. So, what are
0: you doing now? I fly helicopters, uh, EMS helicopters for, this is a long uh, hospital name, it is Novant Health New Hanover Regional Medical Center. It's a lot going on there. The company I actually work for is Apollo Med Flight out of Amarillo, Texas. And they, they are the helicopter aviation provider for the hospital in Wilmington, North Carolina. I've been doing it for four years. Literally, like I said, fell right into it right at my retirement time so miss no uh miss no time out, and i've been doing it uh for four years uh
1: yeah. It's not quite as exciting as a lot of your record kicks.
0: Yeah, when you, when you go to a multi-car accident with entrapments and rollovers on Interstate 40 just north of Wilmington, it gets sporty. And in the middle of the night when weather's coming in, and yeah, it can... It can and you're be, landing on the highway, kind Landing on the highway, right on the highway. Yeah, you know, the fire department, the police department will normally arrive on the scene before we get there and make a landing zone force. Uh, and we do scenes, but actually most of our... Flights are transports between hospitals, small county hospitals to bigger hospitals. Mm-hmm. So we do that. Patient
1: um, patient transfer. Yeah. Yeah. That, transfer. That,
0: that noise you hear is my heavy footed daughter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah I have those two. And you are a delicate princess, not an elephant. <laughs> <you>? <laughs> my, one of my daughters is not light on her no, feet yeah. at all, and mine is not either.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so are you trans? You're you're doing patient transport. You're,
0: uh-huh. you're doing organ.
1: Transport ever? Uh,
0: not usually. Okay. Not usually. Usually, they throw those on a fixed-wing airplane, and they they had, they're usually going f- further distances than the helicopter can do quickly. Okay. Um, but most of the time, it's it's patient transport.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're going to do this? You think until you retire?
0: I am. And retirement may be a lot later than most people think because this is this is a it's really a lifestyle job. Um, I work for a week, and then I'm off for a week. I work for a week, then I'm off for a week. You get to play a ton of golf every other day. Oh, week. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So why would I quit? You know, it, literally, I work six months a year. I work two weeks a month. Um, and when I am when I work, I only work a 12-hour day. So I, I go to work for 12 hours. I come home for 12 hours. I go to work for 12 hours. And most corporate people are putting that kind of oh, yeah. grind in anyway. Every and, week. Yeah, every week. Uh, I know in the military, it was 12, 14 hours a yep. day. Um, or more. And... Um, the uh, when I'm at work, I'm doing computer-based continuing education training. Some days, sometimes I'm watching golf. I'm watching the Masters. I'm watching, you know, uh, the the Open from the just finished. Uh, that literally, and then, oh, the alarm goes off. You hop up. You go do your thing for an hour or two. You come back and you watch golf again. Uh, so it's it's a lifestyle job. And one of my good friends, who was a former Marine One pilot. Is in semi-retirement down there, and he—he's like Buck. I would continue to do this job until I cannot pass my FA Class Two flight physical. Why wouldn't I? Because you like it. I like it. I love it. So I plan on doing it now until I'm 70 for another 20 years. And it, do you have to stop at 70? Is no, that, no, 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 no. You could keep going. Bob, Bob, 73, 72. 73, and yeah. So he's continuing to do it. His wife is like, "We're done. We're gonna go. We're we're doing other stuff now." So he's he kind of fills in as a as a float pilot, fill in pilot force, but uh, he's he's gonna probably be done done here in the next couple months. So yeah, 73 is not that old anymore, I guess. No, it's really, especially if you're a CrossFit stud like he is. Really? I mean, oh, he's a machine. He's a machine. It it, it hurts my feelings just to watch him. Just he, yeah, he, he works out constantly. Yeah. And loves it. Yeah. And yeah, drives his Porsche. And, yeah. It's yeah. good for him. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great guy. A mentor of mine. So, yeah. All right. But, so, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your That's thought. it. Uh, yeah. I, I, will, I will continue to do this job um, for as long, as long as it is. Now, if we decide to move away, I may or may not continue with it because I really like the hospital and I really like my company. If I have to change hospital systems and I have to change, um, aviation provider I, I, I may not continue with it so. but you may like the next one as much yeah as sure I'll give dragon. a shot Yeah and give him a try but um, yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw all my bad weeds and eggs in one basket all right I, I'm gonna
1: do something I I don't do often maybe ever uh-huh. um, I'm gonna do two things I haven't done one I know you've listened to a handful of episodes yeah if you could tell me what's your favorite that you've listened to and, and why yeah um, and then give me feedback about how to make this podcast better. Okay. Uh,
0: my favorite was Kevin and Al. Which is, which, and, is it, which, is which is hilarious
1: and awesome for yeah,
0: me. Yeah, because I'm a new golfer, and they're proper aficionados. They, they are, love They're they into it. So listening to them talk about the fashion. That's really great. Cool. When I go on the golf course, when they, they start listen. talking about that, I'm like, "What are you, what talk are you talking about? about?" No, no, I get it. Listen, if I can't play well, I'm gonna look good. You know, it, it, listen, I may not be able to play well, but I am. I am gonna look like I know. Yeah, they're that, with but, you on that. Yeah. So the fashion part, I'm like, oh yes, I totally get it. I'm into it. Um, and they talk about where they played, and with it, that was really cool. I really liked that. Um, but also, uh, things that I've been close to, Chief Warrant Officer Brown. Enjoyed his podcast, but I also enjoyed Dick Kemper and Andy Smith. Yep. Because I was able to relate what I've heard, what they what I heard them say and some of the things they said opened my mind to, oh wow, okay. I'd never thought of, that's why they think that were that's why they did that career. And that's why they and again this is these are uh uh teachers from St. Christopher's and 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 coaches from St. Christopher's, both of them. And uh it was fascinating to me how you can improve it. I don't know, man. I mean, okay. Y- y- your 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 guesses are, are 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 very broad spectrum. I mean, uh, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Just broad spectrum. I I don't know. Uh,
1: I, I really don't. You can um, you, you could hit me up off recording. Yeah, because I I, I
0: just I, I think that you. You have an easygoing style that lets people just spew. It's just, just verbal vomit. But yeah. there's a lot of
1: good in that verbal yeah, vomit. Uh-huh.
0: There's a ton of good in it. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I could say that... uh Well, I, I mean, I'll share the story. I've shared this before. The story of me talking to my father. Yeah. And I learned... I think I told you this uh, when we reconnected. Like He told me stuff on that recording that I didn't know. And it was about half of what he said. Yeah. And I said to him after the recording said how come you've never talked about this stuff before he said because you never asked wow and so there's maybe a a lesson in in that for all of us that Mm -hmm. you could maybe be more inquisitive about the people in your
0: life kind of yes it is that's that mm -hmm. big time yeah uh and kind of funny stories like like who are you who are you close with VMA guys or marine guys or high school guys who are you the closest with not high school guys, man. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, same for me. And, and honestly, not Marine guys. Hmm. I have I have Marine friends. The, my closest friends to the state and of the greatest number of VMI guys. Yeah, I don't know why that is. Hmm. You know, I don't know why that is. Don't know what about VMI or the type of group, that whatever you know it is. Because I don't want to combat with these guys. Why shouldn't I be closer with them than? guys I studied you have a special relationship with marines yeah. but but yeah but, but the, the VMIers are the closest
1: now that you you
0: went back to VMI
1: I meant to ask this question when we were talking about VMI mm-hmm. when you were second year third year um, or second class third class yeah. not a rat were you a friend of the rats? Were you, like, their tormentor, or were you somewhere
0: in between? <laughs> somewhere in between. So I was on what's called the rat training cadre. So we would take the rats. Me and that guy, uh, another guy, a buddy of mine, Gary Rose, who became an F-15 pilot in the Air Force, um, you know, uh, did great things. He he and I took the rats, and we would, took them out and trained them through, like, ropes courses and grappling and, like... Pupil sticks and fighting and and hiking mountains and so it was kind of cool so we were in charge and we had to instill discipline but we weren't the extreme you weren't the, smoking them no hell no Uh. Uh-uh. and then you know on the stoop every once in a while for fun you're like oh look at this thing come here you know, and you kind of square away. You were well, ultimately helping him. Yes, but, but but I wasn't the flame. I wasn't the guy that was just smoking dudes. No, I, it actually kind of irritated me a little bit. So, no, no, I was not that guy.
1: You don't strike me as a sadist.
0: <laughs> Thank
1: you. Maybe a little bit of a mass- <laughs> A little bit of a mask. Oh, I think I probably have a little bit more than a little. But, yeah. Uh-huh. I think you you have to have some of that to be a Marine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Awesome. Tell me about uh, how you and Jackie met.
0: Uh, my brother and her best friend got married, so I was the best man, and she was the maid of honor at their wedding.
1: You're not the only person
0: that that's happened to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. Twenty, twenty, almost twenty four years in September. So your
1: younger brother got married before you did. He did. Yeah, my younger quite sister a, got married a, yeah, before us. Yeah, yes, he did. She did. Yeah. yeah,
0: quite a bit before us. Uh, she did not like me when she first met me. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a different person, but apparently I matured and got better over a couple of years. And then we started actually dating. And then that, would, that worked out great. Yeah, yeah and it, you've it, been
1: together yeah. for a long yes, time? Yeah, yeah. That's uh-huh. awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Will Jackie listen to this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. she will. Uh-huh.
0: That's and awesome. Hopefully my daughter, too. So, yeah, hopefully they'll, they'll get it.
1: And what's your daughter going to do?
0: She is going to Cape Fear Community College to the inaugural welding technologies degree she wants to be a welder metal fabricator machinist yeah she she's an interesting girl she's five foot tall rail thin rides a sport bike motorcycle likes to weld yeah <laughs> she's a firecracker so yeah uh-huh yeah yeah so Is that,
1: she, does she get that from you or no your wife
0: yeah i don't know both maybe <laughs> i don't know <laughs> interesting combination Yeah, uh, yeah she's She's a great girl. Hopefully, I can teach her how to play golf, but I gotta teach myself first. Which, what's uh, what's her name? Amanda. Amanda. Amanda Lee. Uh-huh. And do you
1: call her Amanda?
0: I do Mandy. Mandy. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. yeah she's Mandy. All right, nice. Yeah, I think
1: so, I want to meet uh, your your wife and your daughter someday. Yeah, absolutely. Well, oh, grab Alan, Ken, come down and play golf with me, man. Yeah, like I said, I they, oh, on, those
0: two would do it a heart. I live on thirty six holes. <laughs> like like, hey, Alan,
1: Kevin, you want to go play golf? Uh, they it's won't North even Carolina. ask where it is. So. <laughs> yeah, just gotta clear with, yeah, with it's, the misses. It's, you know? It is a an
0: amazing course. Yeah, we. I am I, I blessed that that life has afforded me the ability to actually live. Green or yeah, green. Side. And thirty-six holes in a community like that—they're very yeah. serious about golf. They take it brutally serious. I am not anywhere close. To, I, I, I actually feel self-conscious a lot of times going out, and and everybody that I play with is like the only person that cares about your score is you. And I'm like, well, I kind of want to get into groups that are higher handicap, and and so I do. Yes, I yes, I care about my score, and it's not good.
1: What what's your best round? Ninety-one. So okay. I'm,
0: I'm in the low 90s now. Hopefully, we'll break 80. I've been playing for a little over a year, um, and hopefully, I'll be in the 80s by spring. Golf's a hard sport. Yeah, it's yeah, a really hard sport. It is. I'm hoping to be, and in, and in, in my one of my roommates from college is a proper golfer, and uh, I, also to play with him in in some of the places that he plays. I, I need my game to be better. I need to be in the 80s. Yeah, at least at least, hopefully better. But then he sent me something the other day that said, like, you know, 45% of the golfers in the world break 90, 20% or less break, you know, whatever, or break 100, and then 20% break 80, 5% break, you know, so it, it, it
1: was... Break par, go like, under par. He was like,
0: you're just fine. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not. I'm
1: not Anything I'm not. <laughs> with two digits is great for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, Bach, I appreciate you coming all hey, this thank, way. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I also, more importantly, appreciate your service to our country. Thank you've, you, you Paul. Well, you've done more than one tenth of one percent has done. Uh, people that are lucky enough to be called Americans, you're, you're in that top one tenth of one percent. Thank you. It's my honor to do so.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us.
1: You can find us at scodoprodcast.com.